What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Martinez. On a Thursday, August 22nd, 2019, and we finally actually made it. Football is back, and it is, it's actually back. We're not talking about preseason. We're not talking about stories or potential trades or holdouts. We're talking about games. I mean, we're the sport of football in teams across the country. We are talking football today and from today on until February. So we have a bright future ahead of us. Uh, one week from tomorrow, being Friday, being August 30th, is our one-year anniversary, as a matter of fact, of the Crowd Noise podcast. One week from tomorrow. Unbelievable. Uh, we're going to be having some... Uh, I'm saying giveaways, but for it to be considered a giveaway, there have to be people who want to be given the prize. So I don't know if it necessarily um, categorizes as a giveaway because I don't know how many people are actually interested in what I have to give away. But we have some uh, crowd noise stuff to give away in in honor of our uh, one-year anniversary. And we'll be heading into year two. Uh, next week, like like Ice Cube said, I'm the type of dude that's built to last. I forget the second part of that line, so we're not going to go ahead and uh, get into that. But we have college football today. I am uber excited for this episode. I ha- I've been so excited for this episode for weeks to come. Let me tell you, I've been getting uh, tired of the god-awful content that I've been spewing out these past two and a half months, basically throughout the summer, um, ever since the finals and free agency ended. It's it's been a pretty rough couple of episodes. I'll be the first to admit, but now it's week zero in college football. The season is finally officially starting this Saturday. Uh, the reason I say week zero, there is a specific reason for that. While college football does open up on Saturday, the festivities really don't take place until next Saturday. Uh, being, what will that, the 31st, I believe? Yes, August 31st, next Saturday. There is one really good game this week. Uh, You get Miami in Florida, in Orlando on a neutral field. Uh, College game day will be there. So there will be a college game day this Saturday, the first one of the season. Uh, Live from inside Disney World. I would give anything to be at that college game day. If any of you know me personally, uh, you know I'm a huge, huge Disney fanatic. I love Disney movies, obviously. Uh, Disneyland. Never been to Disney World. I've never been on that Disney cruise, but I love all that. I love all that Disney stuff. And I love college football. One of the reasons why I started this podcast that you're listening to currently. If I could go to any college game day, it would be this one. And this isn't really even a huge... This isn't Red River game. This isn't the Iron Bowl. This isn't SCUCLA, Rose Bowl, anything like that. This is just a, a opening game to kick off the season on a neutral field, but it's in Disney World. That makes a huge difference for me personally. Um, I can't wait to watch this. I can't wait to watch this on Saturday. I can't wait to watch this game on Saturday, and I can't wait to watch next week when the season officially, officially starts being week one. Um, So what do we have in store for you today? Aside from all the Ice Cube and Disney references that I can throw at you, we are picking conference champions. It's that time of the year, everyone where we aimlessly take a shot in the dark and try to pick conference winners right out of the gate, or even before we get out of the gate. The season hasn't even started, and we always try to pick conference champions before preseason. And then next week, I'm not going to give you the whole thing. I'm going to give you a taste. Next week, we will have our picks for the playoff teams, the first two out, so basically the top six at the end of the season. And we will have our, or our new, we'll, we'll just go ahead and round it out. Uh, our playoff teams, crowd noises, crowd noises pick for the playoff teams. Um, the New Year's Six games, we'll pick those as well. And then we'll have our national champion. So you have that to look forward to next week. This week we are doing conference champions. Uh, the AP poll for, I guess, preseason or week one of the, uh, the year came out uh, this week, I believe like two days ago. These are fresh, hot, fresh off the stove. These are, these are, Brand new AP Top 25 rankings. We'll go ahead and read those for you. We'll pick uh, conference by conference. We're only going to be doing the, the Power Five because those are the only teams that anyone cares about anyway. I'm not picking UTEP and the Conference USA. Nobody cares about that. So we're going to be picking the Power Five schools. 
right? And then we'll head into, uh, we'll close out the show with a quote of the week. So we, it's a college-specific episode. There is no other NFL, there's really no uh, basketball. Well, that's a lie. The, the quote of the week is NFL, but the quote of the week is, is a different beast all in itself. It's, it's something entirely different. But for the bulk of the show, it's all college. There's no basketball, there's no NFL football. This is all the purest form of the sport, college football. The passion, the integrity, the pageantry of the game, that's what we're going to be looking into today. I cannot wait. I can't wait. So first, we're going to be doing our top, or not even our, the, the nation's top 25 rankings. We'll be reading those to you, and then we'll be picking uh, conference winners from each of the Power 5 conferences. So let's go ahead and get right into it. I can't wait. It's actually, it feels a little bit strange. I'm not going to lie, because for the whole summer, I've had to create stories and create sort of, not, well, not sort of, but give you my opinion more so than what actually happened, which I think makes for better content anyway. But to start off the show, talking about last year, um, it was really mostly just picks and telling you what's going on during the season because there's so, there's so much going on like during regular season, especially football. Because during regular season football, you have college, NFL, obviously, but then you also have NBA, you have World Series baseball. There's just so much going on. You really don't get to choose. You have to do all of it, which is fun also because those are the most interesting topics. But for the summer, I've had to really create things because there been, there's been nothing. And now I don't create anything because we're starting to get going again. So it's a bit of, I have to kind of shift gears a, here, a little bit here. It's a little bit strange, but we're going to try and work through it. It's week zero. We're working out the kinks. We're playing a cupcake. It, it, it's, it's fine. This is where we work out the kinks going into the rest of the season. So let's get it started. Number 20, let's count up. Let's, I think it's more interesting if we count upwards from 25 to 1 or count down depending on your interpretation of the number line. Number 25, the Stanford Cardinal. Uh, they lose J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. They lose Bryce Love. Uh, but they keep K.J. Costello, who I'm a very big fan of. So there's that. Uh, number 24, I'm not going to be doing a whole breakdown of all top 25 teams because we only have so much time. You only have so much patience. I only have so much oxygen. So we're not going to go ahead. I just, I like Stanford. I'm a big fan of Stanford. I love the Pac-12, though they are terrible. Um, West Coast guy, obviously. I say it, no shame, West Coast bias. Absolutely. There's, there's no, not even any denying it. I'm telling you straight out, I am biased towards the West Coast. So I am a fan of Stanford uh, being at number, twi- number 25. Number 24, Nebraska. They were awful last year. Um, I guess people feel like they, this is their year to take a step forward. And that conference, the Big Ten... I mean, there's some monsters in there. I mean, just don't, not even speaking of Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. There's a, the middle-tier teams are just hellacious as well. Iowa, Wisconsin. I mean, they have real, Northwestern is a really tough team. They were pretty good last year. There's just really great teams in the Big Ten. I think it's the most consistently deep conference in the nation. There's really not a huge drop-off from the top to the middle-tier to the bottom-tier. I think it's the most consistent conference in the country. So Nebraska, I don't, ex- I don't expect to hang on uh, wire to wire. Number 23, Washington State. We're going to speed it up. 22, uh, the Qs, Syracuse. Number 21, Iowa State. Following them, number 20, Iowa. So both of the Iowa teams there in the top 25 right next to each other. Number 19, Wisconsin. I, I really like Wisconsin as well. They're a great program. It consistently, year in, year out. They're a bowl team. They're a competitive team. Really love Wisconsin. Number 18, Michigan State. Number 17, UCF. Number 16, Auburn. Penn State at 15. Utah at 14. Washington at 13. Uh, they lost a lot from last year and even the year prior from that, but they have the best coach in the conference, does Washington. So I don't expect them to completely drop out uh, of the Pac-12 conversation as far as winning the conference. I think Washington is going to be a force to be reckoned with in that conference, especially looking at their schedule, which we're going to a little bit later in the show, or a lot bit later in the show, um, talking about the Pac-12. We're going to be looking at everyone's uh, regular season schedules and how that's going to play out into Champ Week and beyond that. Number 12, this is where we really start getting into the movers and the shakers of the nation. Number 12, Texas A&M. I don't know how seriously I take Texas A&M. I'm just being quite honest with you. They have... As well, they have a hellacious schedule. I mean, their their schedule is just murderous row. 
there's I really don't anticipate them hanging out in the top 15 for the rest of the season. Not because so much of so much of it is because Texas A&M. It's just their schedule is, is ridiculous and how how difficult their schedule is playing in the SEC and they're getting all the big dogs in the SEC this year. Uh number 11 Oregon and now creeping into the top 10. Uh number 10 Texas, number 9 Notre Dame, 8 Florida who will be playing this Saturday against unranked Miami. I could have sworn Miami was ranked in the top 25. I was shocked when I actually started I wrote down the list and I was just I was just copying and pasting really, but I wasn't really paying attention to the list itself, like where teams are ranked. And I just off the top of my head, I said, "Yeah, oh, yeah, Miami's ranked. They got to be ranked. Top 25, they got to be ranked." And they are unranked to start the season, which I mean, I don't think it's a huge deal because they're not going to win their conference, right? They I mean, Clemson's winning the ACC. There's no, there's no one else in that conference who's coming close. But for Miami to be unranked, it's it's just a little bit strange because it seemed like they were kind of bringing that program back to the foreground of, of college football. They have a bunch of these transfer portal players trying to get a little bit more experience, a little bit more uh, veteran players or a veteran presence on that team, and they are unranked to start the season. And they'll be unranked next week because they're, they're getting Florida, um, a top-10 team, right out of the gate, so I don't know how prepared they'll be for that. And then number seven, Michigan. Number six, LSU. Number five, Ohio State. Number four, Oklahoma. Then Georgia. Alabama and Clemson. So those are your top 25 rankings there for you. I don't hate this list. I mean, it's week zero. What can you really complain about? This is essentially just almost the top 25 from the end of the season last year. There are some changes. There are some teams that are missing, and there are some newcomers on this list. But essentially, it's the same list from the end of last year, which I don't, I don't disagree with that formula. I mean, that's the last that we've seen of them. Of the, it's the last we've seen of these teams, and we haven't. I mean, obviously, we haven't seen them since. We don't know what they look like, what their new personnel is going to, tra- how that's going to translate to the season. So I don't hate this list. Um, I really don't have many problems with it. I think maybe Texas A&M might be a little bit overrated, only because I don't anticipate them sticking around. I really don't. I think Washington should be. I w- I would probably swap those two. I'd probably have Washington number 12 and drop A&M to 14 and then put Utah at 13. Um, I mean, Auburn maybe have them a little bit higher. Penn State I'd have a little bit lower. They've lost essentially every player from that Rose Bowl team that lost to USC. That All those guys are gone. Saquon Barkley, obviously. Trace McSorley, uh, Chris Godwin. They're all gone. Uh, Mike Kosicki, that whole unit is gone. So I don't know. I mean, not too familiar with Penn State's new uh, militia, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, so I, I would say they're slightly overrated being, I mean, at number 15. But I don't hate this list. It, it's not terrible. It's fine. And again, it's week zero. This will probably probably be completely different in a matter of two weeks. And I say two weeks because obviously week one, everyone just opens up against North Carolina A&T dance and technical school. So they're not going to lose week. Any of these teams are going to lose week one. So I, it, it'll change. It'll shake up in about two weeks' time, and every, and then we'll really be able to evaluate uh, the college football landscape. And those are the AP Top 25 college football rankings for the preseason, I guess. I think the technical term is preseason. I know I'm familiar with the phrase preseason. I just don't know what to call it because it's not – they don't say week zero. That's just something that I made up, week zero on college football. That's not, But that's not what these rankings are called. I believe they're preseason rankings. I guess you could call them week one rankings. Whatever you want to call them, that's what they are in that order. Um, and so now let's get into uh, conference champions. Like I promised, we're going to start with the ACC. And we're going to increase, we're going to move on based off of difficulty picking conferences. The ACC we're going to start with because it's the quickest one and it is by far the easiest conference to pick a conference champion. Guess who I'm picking? That's right, you guessed correctly, Georgia Tech. I love the Yellow Jackets this year. No, this is by far the easiest conference to choose from. Not only because they have by far, head and shoulders, the best team in the nation, but because the conference itself may be the weakest this year. You could legit make an argument. You could legitimately make an argument 
that the Pac-12, who I, again, being the West Coast biased, constantly ripped to shreds, is actually a deeper conference than the ACC this year. Now, of course, there's not any one team that comes close to Clemson in the Pac-12. There, That's not even up for a debate, but we're talking about the conference as a whole. In the Pac-12, you have Oregon, you have Washington, Stanford, Utah, uh, and UCLA, I think, is going to be pretty good this year. Uh, they had a kind of rough year last year. They started the most freshmen in the country, uh, did UCLA. It's now Those players are now one year older. Chip Kelly is the second year uh, in, in Pasadena. I think UCLA is actually going to be pretty respectable in the Pac-12 this year. And in the ACC, you have Clemson, and you have Syracuse, who's ranked top 25. Um, and then Miami is unranked. Florida State is unranked, NC State is unranked, Georgia Tech is unranked, North Carolina is unranked, Mike, that's Mac Brown's first year there, uh, that's going to be interesting to watch, but you have a bunch of unranked teams, and teams that are kind of rebuilding in the ACC, whereas in the Pac-12, you have teams that are, I mean, you have unranked teams in the Pac-12, obviously, but they're building towards something, right, you have teams that are on the rise in the Pac-12, rather than uh, rebuilding, like just beginning their rebuild, in the Pac-12, conversely to the ACC. So you can actually make an argument that this is the weakest conference in college football, currently the ACC. And that could change. Like I said, in the next two weeks, we'll kind of really start to get a feel for how these teams and how these conferences are going to start to play out. I could be dead wrong. I mean, the Pac-12 has consistently let me down for the past like 10 years. Since they've become the Pac-12, they've been, you know, more than disappointing. So, that, I mean, that could change very quickly. But right now, as I'm looking at the landscape, I feel as though the ACC is the weakest conference in college football, which I don't think, and obviously let's get to this now, talking about Clemson specifically. It's not going to hurt them. In fact, it's going to help them. They're now in that Alabama territory, that Ohio State territory. They don't need to play these monsters non-conference, okay? They're going to get in the, into the, uh, the college football playoff. They're going to win their conference regardless of who they play in the non-conference. They're not teams like Michigan or Notre Dame or Georgia who have to play those upper echelon, those top 10 programs right out of the gate to add some, uh, some wins to their resume. They don't need that. This isn't going to hold Clemson back. If they beat all of these teams by 60 points on an average of 60-point win uh, margin, you're not going to hold anything against Clemson come Selection Sunday. This is, I mean, it's not a problem for them. I actually like this light schedule for Clemson. They get Texas A&M, who's top 25 ranked, but they get them at home. They're on a road against Syracuse, but I don't think neither you nor I feel that's, that's going to be a very tough test for them. Uh, and that's it. For Clemson, those are their two biggest games. Top 25, uh, Texas A&M, and actually they're currently ranked number 12. Uh, and by that time, they'll probably have already dropped out of the top 15. And then Syracuse, who by that time will probably have already dropped out of the top 25. So their schedule is not very tough and doesn't need to be. They don't need that resume uh, builder. They, they don't need that. They're the number one program in the nation for a reason. They've earned that right. And has Alabama. Now, we all tease Alabama a lot for playing the Citadel, playing Southern Alabama. This year, they're playing god-awful New Mexico State, who I hope they beat by 10,000 points. But they don't need those games. Alabama and Clemson and maybe even Ohio State, I would put in that conversation, do not need those resume fillers. They just don't. Because they, they have earned the respect of the national media and of other programs. They don't have to play these guys. So I don't really hate Clemson's schedule. It's boring. Am I going to watch them a lot? Am I going to watch them a lot this season? Probably not. And not even, maybe not even uh, for the ACC championship game. Because who are they going to play during that game? North Carolina? Georgia Tech? Like I, they're going to have a very boring schedule. But they're going to be a good team. Mind you, they're going to be well-rested heading into the playoffs. So I don't... I mean, they should essentially run the table here now again conversely this is a double-edged sword if they lose the game here and they get a a massive upset against an unranked ACC team then things start to get very interesting when you're talking about the college football playoff because of the best team in the nation drops one on the road or even at home uh, at Death Valley against an unranked ACC team uh you know a lot of things start to come into play like do we do we enter in a a two-loss Big 12 champion do we give the nod to a Pac-12 team who has one loss? How do you compare one loss Clemson to one loss, I don't know, potentially Oregon or Stanford, whoever it may be, uh, then things start to get a little bit interesting. So I don't anticipate that happening, 
So you can guarantee that it's going to happen because it's college football and anything goes. So that's the quickest one we have. Uh, in the ACC, the other big game, I guess, this year is Miami and Florida. The other big-name program in the ACC is Miami, and they play Florida this week, which I expect them to lose. That's not an official crowd noise pick. This year we're going to be making our picks like we always do, but we're going to be keeping track. We're actually going to have a record by the end of the year. This does not count towards that because it's week zero, and we're not just picking one game. So, um, But I do expect Florida to beat Miami, and I don't think that will have huge ramifications as far as college football playoff you know, seating uh, goes. And that's, and that's the next biggest game in the conference is Miami and Florida. So this is a very smooth, it should be a very smooth season for Clemson on the road back to the college football playoff, hoping to get that repeat. And we might be on a collision course to see part five Clemson and Alabama. So there's the ACC, the easiest conference, the shortest segment we're going to have on the show today because it is the easiest. Uh, Clemson by Lampside, we're going to take them to win the ACC. No brainer, right? Sometimes you, sometimes you can overthink things, right? We're not going to do that. Uh, in the SEC now, things get a little bit more interesting. Comes down to um, really for me two teams, being Alabama and Georgia. You have teams like LSU and Auburn who will challenge and will be a threat to win the SEC and be, and be a threat to get into that championship game. But Alabama and Georgia are just in another class. They are the cream of the crop in the SEC right now. Uh, LSU is very good, but they have a tough schedule as well. Um, I don't anticipate them hanging on wire to wire, especially without you got you're talking about Alabama with the chip on their shoulder this year. That's a nightmare. I mean, come on, I don't I don't know a scarier sentence in college football than Alabama and Nick Saban have a chip on their shoulder. Um, and speaking of those Alabama Crimson Tide, uh, here's their schedule: the marquee games on their schedule. They do play um, God awful and MSU, who could not beat a, a local high school team, but that's I mean. Again, it's fun to make jokes, but I don't really hold it against them as far as playoff seating. I mean, they, they've earned that right to not play tough non-conference schedule. Uh, they get uh, Texas A&M. They are on the road for Texas A&M. They'll be meeting the 12th man. Uh, in we, I was trying to – where is Texas A&M? College Station. Okay, I get confused with all these, these Texas schools. Baylor is in Dallas, right? TCU is in Fort Worth. Texas, obviously, is in Austin. And then you have um, – a&M in College Station, and then Texas Tech is in Lubbock. That's always I always confuse those two. I always forget who's in Lubbock, and it's Texas Tech. There's so many of these small-town schools in Texas. I get them all confused. But Alabama will be heading to College Station to play Texas A&M. They get LSU at home, which is big, and then they go on the road for the Iron Bowl to play Auburn uh, on the road, number 16, Auburn. So not really hellacious. There's some big games on here. LSU, Auburn, obviously. Even if Auburn is ranked 16 and Alabama is number two, you can have an unranked team in that game, and that game will still be extremely competitive and relevant, and you can have upsets there. So, I mean, Auburn being ranked in the top 25, Alabama being ranked in the top 25, and just that game being in Auburn makes that a... And especially it's the last game of the season. Very interesting game for rivalry week. Uh, And then Georgia. Here's their uh, marquee... Schedule. They have a tougher schedule than Alabama. I will say this. They get Notre Dame at home this year. Last year they were on the road in, in South Bend. Uh, it was a tough game. Obviously, anytime you play Notre Dame in South Bend, it's going to be a very tough game. They do get that game at home. Um, but there's that huge, that marquee non-conference game, right? Notre Dame at home. Alabama has nothing in comparison to that as far as non-conference schedule. And it is a double-edged sword, like I've said. It depends on how you view the committee. Do you think the committee values tough non-conference? Or do you think, do you think the committee values a clean record and a, and a perfect schedule? Um, years prior, they have rewarded a better record. That's just, that's just a fact. They have rewarded teams with a better record. There has never been in the history of the college football playoff a two-loss team to have gotten in to the college football playoff. There's never been a team with two losses to sneak into that top four. Never. And it's only been about, is this the sixth year or the fifth year of the college football playoff? So it's, there's not a long history, but these five years have all been one loss teams or better. So I think this is going to come back to bite George as far as getting into the playoff. 
and that's just their first one. They have Notre Dame, then they get uh, Texas A&M at home. They play top 10 Florida on a neutral field in the world's uh, largest outdoor cocktail party. Um, that's, that's what it's called. Um, it's a great name, by the way. It's a great name for a rivalry. The world's largest outdoor cocktail party. It slides right off the tongue, and it's tons of fun. I would imagine that it's, that's a huge party. It's the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, I've been told. Um, they get Florida on a neutral field. So, I mean, they're not on the road, but they're not at home. That will be a very tough game. You have two top 10 teams right there. Um, at the time, again, these are all the rankings that we currently have right now. These could change, obviously, drastically from now until the time that game rolls around. Then they're on the road to Auburn. Auburn gets a lot of teams, uh, the big teams, at home this year, which I think is a big advantage obviously especially in college football where I think playing at home I feel has the biggest advantage of any other sport in college football so Auburn having those two teams specifically Alabama and Georgia the two best teams in the conference they get them at home huge advantage huge advantage uh, for Auburn but I think it's going to come down to those two teams Alabama and Georgia I don't anticipate Alabama losing, obviously, their non-conference schedule. Um, Could they lose against LSU? Could they lose on the road against Auburn? Absolutely. Do I think they will? Probably not. Georgia, I mean, they have a much tougher schedule with Florida and Notre Dame. They could drop one of, if not both, of those games. Um, The Notre Dame game obviously would not factor into SEC championship territory because it is a non-conference game but it does factor into Georgia's resume come selection Sunday for the college football playoff so I do think obviously that game is going to be huge for the grand scheme of the nation of the national college football playoff I just added the national there Um, I do think Alabama wins the conference just them being throttled like they were on the biggest stage in college football the national championship dismantled by Clemson. Tua Togavailoa talks about how he's learned, he's taken a learning experience from that game rather than feeling sorry for him, for himself. Nick Saban does not take kindly to, to losing, especially losing like that, being blown out and embarrassed at Levi Stadium. I think Alabama's on a mission this year to get back to the playoff and to get that rematch with Clemson in the national title game. I do think, and it's going to be interesting. Well, I'm not going to give that away because I'm already giving away next week's. Um, I'm already giving away a next week segment. I told you I'm not going to do playoff until next one. I'm just picking conference winners this week. But Alabama and Clemson will be in there. Okay, I mean we both know if Clemson and Alabama win their conference, and maybe even if they don't win their conference, they're getting into the playoffs. So those first two. Uh, spoiler alert: It's going to be Alabama and Clemson. But the next two spots will have to be settled between three teams, potentially more. So that's where things are going to get interesting uh, next week. I do like Alabama to win the conference. Uh, Georgia, close runner-up, will likely be um, in a New Year's Six Bowl. So there's that to look forward to. Now on in the Big Ten, the Midwestern Conference. I love the Big Ten. I like watching uh, I like watching the Big Ten. It's a very competitive conference. we got a lot of great teams in there. Um, and like I said, it's a very deep conference. You know, there's, It's not like the ACC or the SEC where it's really only one or two, maybe three schools are actually um, in the race to win the conference. There are about three or four teams in this conference that are really good and can all compete for uh, the conference title and therefore compete for a spot in the college football playoff. Right? You have Michigan, obviously Ohio State. Those go without saying. But then you have Wisconsin, Penn State, and even Iowa. That's five teams that are five teams there that are all very good. I really like Iowa. They're very tough at home. Wisconsin, consistently, I think maybe the most underrated program in the nation. They are annually in bowl games, competing in the top 25. They play in this very tough conference, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. They're, I mean, I love Wisconsin as a program. They're always, always very good and very relevant, but they have not taken that next step to climb into the upper echelon. Then you have Penn State. With James Franklin, who has truly resurrected an entire program. And now they are back to where Penn State is used to being, which is, you know, contending to win the conference annually, playing in Rose Bowls, fighting to get in the college football playoff. They're a very good team. That's five teams that are all really good. And I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if any one of those teams won the conference. 
Maybe Iowa. I'd be pretty shocked about that. But they are a good team. They are very tough at home is Iowa, specifically these past two or three years. They've been very good. Um, but I do feel like it comes down to Ohio State and Michigan, right? Because while those other three teams are good, Ohio State and Michigan are the S tier of the Big Ten. They are the, the cream of the crop, the big dogs of that conference. That really maybe even only Ohio State is in that S tier. Michigan, while they are very good and they are consistently in the top ten and playing in New Year's Six Bowls, they have not beaten Ohio State consistently enough to win the conference and to even obviously get in the college football playoff. In the past 10 years, they've beaten Ohio State once, has Michigan, and they have not beaten, or excuse me, they have beaten Ohio State once uh, over the past 10 years, and they have not beaten them since Jim Harbaugh has taken the job. That is a big problem uh, for Michigan. Uh, and I think that played a big part in him staying. There was a lot of rumors of, Jim Harbaugh potentially going back to the NFL and leaving Michigan. But then there was a lot of, there's a great deal of drama at Ohio State, to say the least, this past season. Urban Meyer stepping down, Ryan Day taking over. I think Jim Harbaugh thinks he can beat Ryan Day. I feel like he thinks he's better than Ryan Day, as he should. He's been, he's a proven coach. Ryan Day is not necessarily, he does not have the resume as Jim Harbaugh. That's just a fact. And Jim Harbaugh's resume is nowhere near as deep as Urban Meyer, I think he can win the conference. I think he thinks he can win the conference. Uh, and that's a big deal. I think it's a big deal when you have that weight off your shoulder. There's, you're not going up against a legend, Urban Meyer, and Ohio State anymore. Now it's, it's just Ryan Day. It's just another game. So I think, uh, here we go, uh, Michigan's uh, schedule. Fairly t- this is a very deep conference. None of these games are marquee except for one, the big game. Um, but other than that, they're just you're not. It's not like in the SEC where you get Alabama, Georgia, Alabama, LSU. I mean, like national title contenders week in and week out. But it is a competitive conference, which I think they're kind of in the Goldilocks zone, is what I'm trying to say. They have a tough schedule, but it's not so tough that it's going to cost you a spot at, in the college football playoff. It's not Georgia and Notre Dame, right? But it is competitive enough to where. It is respectable, and these are games that you can't add to your resume going into Selection Sunday by the end of the season. Michigan will go on the road to play Wisconsin. They get Iowa at home, which is a very big deal. You don't want to play Iowa in Iowa. They are very tough at home. I think that's a big deal that they get Iowa at the big house. They do go on the road to Beaver Stadium in Happy Valley to play Penn State. Um, that's one of the one of the premier home field atmospheres in college football but like I said Penn State is not the same program that they were two years ago when they were in the Rose Bowl Um, they're a very good team and they will be competitive but they are not national title contenders so I don't think it's the end of the world and I don't think they'll necessarily lose that game will Michigan just because they're on the road in Happy Valley it'll be a tough game obviously playing in that environment but I don't think this is a huge deal. What I do think is, well, they get Notre Dame, top 10 team, they get Notre Dame uh, at home at the big house. That is a big deal. They get Michigan State at the big house this year. They get Ohio State at the big house this year. All their biggest games come at home. That is a huge deal and a big advantage for Michigan. They They need everything they can get. They need all the help they can possibly get because that team across the hallway that's that's Staples Center but you know what the team across the street whatever their rivalry is I think Michigan is the team up north so the team down south Ohio State you got to compete with those guys week in and week out you don't just play them once you play against them all season long because they are the standard in the Big Ten now moving on to Ohio State uh they get Michigan State at home at the shoe which is great uh they play Northwestern in Chicago now the Northwestern is unranked but they are another team who could be a sneaky trap game for Ohio State. They are very tough at home. They were very good last year was Northwestern. I think they finished in the top 25, if I'm not mistaken. They were very good last year. Um, but I do think Ohio State going on the road to play Northwestern late in the season, mid, uh, you know, I guess mid-level, uh, my tongue is tied here, Middle of the se- during the middle of the season, good Lord, spit it out. 
During the middle of the season playing Northwestern, it gets a little bit colder, gets a little bit more hostile. I, this could be a trap game for Ohio State. I'm just saying. Do I expect them to lose? Probably not, but in college football, anything goes. Uh, they get Northwestern on the road. They do get Penn State at home, which I think is a big deal, and obviously they go on the road to play Michigan. Now, uh, based on this schedule, these marquee games, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan has more quote-unquote marquee games um, in total. And they do get most of those games at home, which I do like. I do think that's a big advantage for Michigan, getting these games at home. But for Ohio State, again, this is the first year that Urban Meyer is not the head coach. Now, he stepped down last year, and Ryan Day took over while he was suspended as an interim. He's familiar with the program, but this is the first year that Urban Meyer is not in the building. Okay, he is, he's not coming through that door. He's at, this is Ryan Day's team. And usually during those first, that first year, the, sec, the first two years, the team still looks really good because it's a previous coach's team. This is not Ryan Day's program. It's, a, it, it's his to run, but these aren't his kids. He didn't recruit these players. He hasn't developed these players. Urban Meyer has. And I think you're going to get a very Urban Meyer feel from this team. Ohio State is going to be very good this year. They have less quote-unquote marquee games. One of these games is an unranked team on the road. So I like Ohio State to win the conference. I do think Michigan will drop one or two of these of these games. Uh, potentially Wisconsin, which they play on the road. Maybe Notre Dame. Notre Dame, who they do play at home, but Notre Dame is a great, great program. They were knocking on the door of a college football playoff berth last year. They were in the college football playoff last year. They got throttled by Clemson, as did everyone else. So you get a college, fo- a college football playoff team at home. You're a team that has not seen the college football playoff. You're a team that hasn't won your conference since Jim Harbaugh has walked through the door. I like Ohio State to win the conference again this year, despite all the hype around Michigan. I do think they'll be good. They'll be a very good team. But I think Ohio State... Just their foundation being built by Urban Meyer. They're going to be good this year, probably next year, and then after that we'll have a chance to truly evaluate Ryan Day. I think Michigan's going to be um, – they're, they're going to struggle to keep up with Ohio State just because this is still Urban Meyer's team. So I like Ohio State, the Buckeyes, to win the Big Ten. Now on to the other very big conference, the Big 12, which is – now we're getting – I said we're going to increase the difficulty, right, in picking these conferences. Uh, this is the fourth conference out of the five. So it should be pretty difficult, right, to pick a winner, a champion for the Big 12 Conference. Uh, it truly is. It, very, it really is hard to pick a winner for this conference. Not because it is deep like the Big 10 or because it is so mediocre that anyone can win like the Pac-12, which is next. Um, it's so difficult because you have two teams at the top that are really, really good. And they're really, really even. Texas and Oklahoma. How do you choose between these two programs this year? You have Oklahoma bringing in Jalen Hurts, who's a national championship, has a national championship pedigree coming from Alabama. You have Texas, who just won won a New Year's Six Bowl last year. They smashed Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. They bring back Sam Ellinger. Tom Herman's really good. He's got Texas rolling right now in recruiting as well. They're going to be good for a while um, how do you pick against, and then their arch rivals, this is Alabama, Auburn, USC, UCLA, how do you pick between these two schools, it's very, very hard, and then the rest of the conference is dog food, that's what makes it even more difficult, because both of these teams are going to have winning records come champ week, they're both going to have either one loss, or they're going to be undefeated, one of these teams will have one loss, obviously, because they play each other annually, so someone's going to win that game, someone's going to lose it, but for the most part, the other program who wins that game is probably going to be undefeated. And the other team's going to have one loss, and it's likely going to be a play-in game for the college football playoff um, being the Big 12 championship game. This is incredibly hard to pick between these two schools. Both very good, and they both have some pretty interesting schedules. Not tough wire to wire. This isn't like the whole se- Like None of these teams have a, a, one of the toughest top 10 toughest schedules in the nation. But the games they do play are very interesting games, especially because their conference is so terrible that they're going to need these marquee games. If they drop one of these, either one of these schools, if they drop any one of these games, it's going to have serious ramifications 
come Selection Sunday. Now on, here is uh, Oklahoma's, uh, I guess, marquee schedule. Uh, they're ranked number four in the nation, which I think is fair. I think that's fair. It should be a top five team. I might have them at number five, but again, we're talking about one spot in the preseason. It doesn't really bother me that much. Uh, Oklahoma will go on the road this year to play UCLA. Unranked UCLA, I will say that. They smashed UCLA last year at home. They have a home-and-home series uh, going on from last year now to this year. This will be the end of that series. Uh, They do play in the Rose Bowl this year again. I like UCLA this year. I think they're a pretty deep sleeper in the Pac-12. Do I think they'll win the conference, will UCLA? No. Do I think they will be a threat to win the South and maybe get in the championship game? Sure. I think they're going to be much improved from last year, and especially playing at home, playing in the Rose Bowl, one of the, I mean, the premier college football atmosphere. You're talking about the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. I mean, they're not playing in the Rose Bowl. They're playing in the location of the Rose Bowl. But I do think... UCLA will be better this year. They will be much improved. All those freshmen that played last year are now a year older. They have a bunch of experience under their belt. Chip Kelly now is in his second year of coaching. He will have um, his hand in developing these players over the course, course of the summer. This could be a trap game for Oklahoma. With that, all that being said, Oklahoma is obviously the superior team, and they have national title hopes uh, on their mind this year. They're not overly concerned with UCLA, but they should. They do respect this program. I think this could be a trap game. I think this is going to be a very sneaky game for Oklahoma. Will they win? Probably. Probably. But it's going to be a very tough game. I do think UCLA is going to be uh, respectable, to say the least, this season. I think they're going to be very much improved. Then they get uh, Texas in the Red River rivalry. One of the great games in college football. I mean, it's it's truly a neutral field. They play in the Cotton Bowl, which is nearly identical distance from Austin and Norman, Oklahoma. That game comes October 12th, which is a very early uh, game for this magnitude. It's not like they don't play these games in rivalry week, right? They don't play this. They don't play each other, do Texas and Oklahoma, Oklahoma, the same weeks that Ohio State and Michigan play, the same weeks that Alabama-Auburn play like the huge rivalry games that go into deciding who goes into the playoff. These two teams play very early in the season, which is extremely interesting because these two teams aren't going to be at their final form at this time. Teams change over the course of the season. Maybe Oklahoma smashes Texas. Maybe Texas rolls over Oklahoma. Come the Big 12 Championship Week, those are going to be two entirely different programs. A lot can change over the course of the season, but this is a resume game. You're talking about two top 10 programs playing on a neutral field, right? This is Whoever wins this game is going to have a huge feather in their cap going into the season. And potentially, this game could ruin the Big 12's chance at having a representer or re- having any representation in the, in, excuse me, the college football playoff. And here is why. Sick of the argument, Oklahoma beats Texas in the Red River game, which I don't, again, I'm not making picks, it's sick of the argument. And then Texas runs the table from there on out. And Oklahoma runs the table from there on out. And Texas and Oklahoma meet in the Big 12 title game. You have a one-loss Texas team and an undefeated Oklahoma team, and Texas wins. Now what the heck do we do? You have two one-loss Big 12 teams and maybe a one-loss or a two-loss Big 10 champ. I don't know, maybe a one-loss Pac-12 champ. Just for the sake of the argument, an undefeated Pac-12 champ. What do you do? That game could really could have serious, serious ramifications in deciding the final spot in the college football playoff. It could. I mean, again, whoever wins that game, if they just run the table and win the Big 12, well, then nobody cares because they're getting in. But it could create some serious, uh, shall, we, shall we say, ruffling of the feathers uh, come Selection Sunday. Um, now on to Texas' schedule. Oh, and uh, Oklahoma does get uh, Iowa State at home. Iowa State is ranked, so that's why I have them in there, but that game doesn't seem nearly as important as when I wrote it down. Now, Texas, obviously, with they have the Red River game. They play each other, so that's on the marquee game for Texas as well. But they get LSU. This is another game that could really have some serious ramifications uh, in deciding that final spot in the college football playoff. They do get them at Austin, which is huge. I'm really big this year on playing at home. Playing on playing at home and playing on the road 
very different atmospheres. Especially when you're talking about playing in Austin or playing in Baton Rouge. Huge game for Texas. Um, let's say Texas loses this game. Let's say they lose the Red River game, putting them at two losses, and then they run the table from there on out. And then let's say they beat Oklahoma. What the heck do you do now? You have a one-loss Oklahoma or a two-loss Texas team who lost to, their two losses came against top 10 uh, programs in the nation, but then they avenge one of those losses. What do you do? Texas only has two big games on their schedule this year because, again, the Big 12 is dog food compared to the rest of the country. But those two games not only determine Texas's fate, but determine the fates of the rest of the nation. This game has huge ramifications for those first two or three teams that are out, right? Because this is going to have um, a lot of weight on the playoff committee when they have to decide who gets in. Because who does get in? Do you give the edge to one loss Oklahoma, even though their last game of the season they lost? Do you give the edge to two loss Texas, who has two losses? They would be the first team ever to get into the playoff with two losses. Um, they avenge one of those losses, though, but the two losses they had were against top 10 teams. But one of them was at home, and one of them was on a neutral field. What do you do that? Texas would probably be on the outside looking in. What do you do with LSU? If they have likely one loss when they lose to Alabama, but they beat Texas, who beat Oklahoma, uh, where does the Pac-12 factor into this? Because they have the perception of being the weaker conference, which they should, because they're they're not they're not as competitive as, as the SEC or, or the Big Ten, obviously. Um, how does that all factor into? I love college football because there's all this craziness. We haven't even played a game yet, and there are all these potential outcomes, and we haven't even played one down of college football. There's so many different outcomes that are completely up in the air none of, maybe none of this happens and we're just we're overreacting for nothing and it could happen the whole season could be perfect and absolutely none of this happens and there's no debate who gets in the top to, uh, top four but this is college football it has to happen because it's college football and anything goes so who do you have winning the big 12 steven get to the point already i do think texas wins the conference seeing the way they played against georgia last year that really resonated with me. Bringing back Sam Ellinger, who is now like this folk hero in Austin, Texas. They were popping off a lot in the summer, which I kind of ripped them for. But again, I was trying to create content for the show. Not a huge deal. I really don't care all that much, but I was trying to make, trying to make the show a whole hour. I think Texas is the deeper team. I think they're the more hungry team. And I, they're the more motivated team team i think this is the year that texas takes that step forward now again do i necessarily think they'll win that red river game that game is a crapshoot flip of the coin you have no idea what's going to go on in that game but i do think on um well they're playing in a neutral field for the red river game but for the title game i would give them the edge over oklahoma texas now has this big game dna smashing georgia in the sugar bowl I think they have this big game DNA. Tom Herman and Sam Ellinger both live for the moment. The biggest game Oklahoma played in last year, they got killed by Alabama. Okay, so they, they have that weighing on their shoulders. They now have a new quarterback who has, granted, he's played on these big stages, but he hasn't played for Oklahoma in these big stages. I like Texas to win the conference. And what I'm emphasizing here is win the championship game. I don't necessarily know if they'll beat Oklahoma in the Red River game. And they could. I'm not picking Oklahoma because, again, I'm not making picks four weeks down the line. But let's just say they lose that game. What happens if they win the title game? The Big 12 is going to be an extremely interesting conference this year because of two teams and really only one team, Texas, because of the LSU game and because of that Red River game. Uh, Texas holds a lot of water in deciding what happens to the rest of the country and the rest of that top 10 fighting to get in that college football playoff. But I'm going to go with them again, second year in a row. I was a year early last year. I'm picking Texas to win the Big 12. And now to the final conference uh, in the Power Five and therefore the hardest conference to pick a, a conference champion for, the Pac-12, the Pacific Coast Conference. And it is the hardest conference to choose by far because there is no clear-cut winner there are about six teams in this conference who could arguably vie for the conference title 
which is not fun for me. I will tell you right now, it is not very fun to have to choose between six different teams who really aren't even that good as far as winning a national title or getting into the playoff. These are good teams. They're no pushovers, but they're not in that upper echelon playoff tier, right? Even the Oregon is very good. I don't think they'll make the playoff. Washington is very good. I don't think they'll make the playoff. USC, I don't think will be very good this year. UCLA, I like a lot this year. They're not getting in the playoff. Come on now. It's going to be very tough to pick this conference, and you're going to see how many teams we're breaking down schedules for because, really, almost all 12 teams in the conference can win. It is that, and again, this isn't a testament to how deep the Pac-12 is. It's a testament to how mediocre the Pac-12 has become. I don't necessarily think that anyone can win because they're all good. I think anyone can win because they're all okay, which is not a good thing in, in the grand scheme of, the Pac-12. For the greater good of the conference, it's it's not going to be, be very good for them come Selection Sunday. And I don't think we will see a Pac-12 representative uh, in the college football playoff. Could we potentially see two teams from one conference because of the Pac-12? I don't know. You got to wait till next week. Um, that's how you do a tease, ladies and gentlemen. So let's go ahead and get into it. The favorite to win the, to win the conference, the Oregon Ducks, the mighty fighting Ducks. And I like Oregon a lot, and I love Justin Herbert. He's got a great nickname, Herbie Fully Loaded. That pays dividends in the Crowd Noise podcast when you're you're picking winners and you're picking conference uh, champions. Having a great nickname, that is the first step, okay? Herbie Fully Loaded, Justin Herbert, fantastic. Comes back now to play for Oregon in his final year, try to win the Pac-12, maybe play in a Rose Bowl, even better getting in the uh, college football playoff. He's coming back. He's got a crazy schedule, though. Oregon is, they're going to get beat up. It's why I don't like Oregon to win the Pac-12. Not because I don't think Oregon is very good, but because I think their schedule is just a little bit too much for them. I think it's going to wear them down, and they're going to drop maybe two or three games uh, along the way. Week one, right out of the gate, they play Auburn at home. We talked a little bit earlier in the show about Auburn. All their biggest games are at home this year, including this one's a non-conference game. So as far as winning their respective conferences, this game doesn't mean much because if whatever team loses, it's not going to factor into them winning their conference. But these two teams have a little bit more. They have higher hopes than just winning their conference. They want to get into that college football playoff and therefore need these resume games. Whoever loses almost essentially is out of the playoff already. Just because this game is coming week one and you have the rest of your schedule to go, you mean you have to run the table from week two on to your conference title game? It's very hard to do. So whoever loses this game is already essentially out. Do I think Oregon will win? Yes, because they have the star power in Justin Herbert, and I think that pays dividends when you play in these big games. It's not everything, but it is a big thing when you have these star players on the field. It makes a huge difference. I think Oregon will win this game. Even in Auburn, I do think they'll, I'd, I'd give them the edge because they have um, Justin Herbert. Did I say Trevor Lawrence a little bit? <laughs> Did I? Trevor Lawrence is a superstar, but he plays for Clemson. I might have said Trevor Lawrence. I may not have Justin Herbert. Herbie fully loaded, plays for Oregon. I think he'll be uh, the deciding factor in this game. But still a tough game. It could go either way, especially on the road. And all of Oregon's games, or excuse me, all but one of Oregon's marquee games this year are on the road. No, I just shut down my laptop, came back on. All their marquee games, all but one, are on the road this year. Huge deal, especially when you're a team like Oregon, who has a great home field advantage. They play in Outson Stadium, one of the loudest um, college football atmospheres in the nation. And they have to play all these big dogs away from home. Uh, Stanford, top 25 team, they play them in Palo Alto. Uh, Washington, their arch rival, they play them in Seattle. USC who I don't think will be necessarily competing for the Pac-12 title, they're USC. And they have a history of when they're not competing for the Pac-12, they usually take down the teams that are. They will play USC in the Coliseum this year, a huge game um, as far as, especially, I mean, obviously, for the grand scheme of the Pac-12 title, they play USC at home. They do get Washington State at Oregon. I don't know how, how good Washington State will be this year, but they are ranked in the top 25, and they will play them in Outson Stadium. But those other four huge teams 
Auburn, Stanford, Washington, USC, they're all going to be on the road for that one. They could easily drop three of those games. Realistically, they could drop. They could lose to Oregon. They could lose to Washington. They could lose to USC. They could lose to Stanford. They can lose all four of those road games. Will they? Probably not. I assume they'll win at least half. I think they'll go two and two over those four tough road games. But they could lose all four. They could lose three. They could lose four. I think they'll lose two. And that effectively eliminates them from the college football playoff. Uh, now, Washington, another good team in the Pac-12 North. Uh, they are ranked number 13. Conversely, they get most of these games at home. They get most of their big games this year in the Pac-12 at home. They get USC in Seattle, who traditionally does not play well in cold weather. They get Oregon at home, as I just said before. They get that huge game, rivalry game at home. Huge advantage. Uh, Utah, who is a uh, popular pick to win the Pac-12 South this year. Very popular pick to come out of the South and get to that that Pac-12 title game. They get them at home. They do go on the road to play Stanford. Um, But that's it. Most of those big games opposite of Oregon will be played at home for Washington, which I think is a huge advantage, especially, especially, again, playing in the Pacific Northwest. It's cold. It's rainy. It's hard for those warm-weather teams to come in. And most of these games are going to be at night, mind you. So it's nighttime. It's cold. It's rainy. I like Washington in most of these games, if not all of them at home uh then moving down who do you have here who do we have here utah okay i gotta get what i have not improved on from last year to now is my organizational skills so most of these games still look like they're not well organized i will tell you that much now going on to utah so i mean we're always improving every 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 day not just every year but every day we're getting better uh utah they go on the road to play usc they should win that game utah's uh, very tough. They play USC very tough. They're, they play everyone tough in that conference. Again, they're a very popular pick to come out of the Pac-12 South. Again, they're on the road to play Washington. Probably drop that game. They get UCLA, who I love this year. They get them at home. Uh, Utah at USC. We already said that. Um, and so that's Utah's schedule. They have how many marquee games do we have here? One, two, three, four. Half of them are on the road. Half of them are, are at home. Excuse me, three teams. I have to work on my organizational skills. They have three games this year, marquee games. Two of them are on the road. They, Yes, three of them are on the I'm messing up big time right now. Utah, they play USC in the Coliseum. They go on the road for Washington, and they get UCLA at home. There we go. Let's move on now before I make things worse. Uh, USC, who I don't, again, I don't think they're a competitor to win the Pac-12. I just don't. But they are USC. And they are worthy enough of me giving them the time of day, I guess, because we have we have to talk about we can't talk about the Pac-12 and not talk about USC. Not only do they have a tough schedule, they have the toughest schedule in college football. That's not my opinion; that is a fact. They were ranked the toughest schedule in the nation in front of uh, South Carolina. So both of the USC teams have some pretty tough schedules this year. Uh, they get Stanford at home. And then after that, good luck. Washington on the road. Notre Dame in South Bend. Colorado, who's a very good team. I think they could lose that game, honestly. I really think USC could lose uh, in Boulder. And then they have to go. Uh, they get Oregon at home and UCLA at home. But again, that is one, two, three, four, five, six marquee tough games for USC. They don't play a single um, they don't play a single team outside of D1 this year. They're not playing NMSU. Um, so they have a very tough, wire-to-wire, tough, tough schedule. Open up week one, they play Fresno State, who is the best non-Power 5 school in the country last year. They play those guys week one, right out of the gates. I think they lose to Stanford. I think they lose to Washington. I think they lose to Notre Dame. I think they lose to Colorado, to be quite honest with you. USC. They're going to have a tough year. Clay Helton likely is going to get fired. If I had to pick USC schedule right now, they're either 6-6 six and six or 5-7. and seven. It's not going to be a fun year to be USC. I'm telling you that right now. Especially because I think UCLA is going to be pretty good. And that 5-6, and 5-7 six and six, and difference is going to come down to that last game of the season, crosstown rivalry against UCLA. Uh, they get them at home. JT Daniels a little bit older. 
I'm on Ross St. Brown, a little bit older. At home, maybe they win that game. I don't know. Well, talk to me again in November. They're, but they're not gonna. They're not gonna be very good. I think they're six and seven, five and six and six, five and seven team. At worst, Clay Hilton gets fired. Urban Meyer gets some phone calls. So who wins the conference then? I think it's gonna come down to Utah winning the South. I do think they'll win the South. UCLA will be the second team. They'll be the outside looking in. Uh, in the North. I like Washington's schedule. I like that they play these tough games at home. Oregon plays a very tough schedule, most of them on the road. I think they'll come in second. In the north, uh, I think so it's going to come down to Washington, Utah on that Pac-12 title. I believe it's a rematch from last year's Pac-12 title. I like Washington to win it again. So there you have it. Those are your Power 5 Conference champions. We have Washington. We have Ohio State. Alabama, Clemson, who am I missing? And Texas, that's right, hook of horns. We have Texas, USC, Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. Those are your Power 5 conference champs. Now on to the quote of the week. Let's close it out real strong. Here we go, quote of the week. It is a football quote of the week, but is it, it is a NFL quote of the week. NFL season draws ever closer. And for this whole show, we had a college football not even theme segment we picked all our power five champions but i couldn't ignore this i thought this was pretty good and pretty interesting so here we go quote they thought they'd send me here to die odell beckham jr on the giants choosing to trade him to cleveland now this is interesting for a couple of reasons the giants clearly don't know what they're doing if this is true if Odell Beckham Jr. is right and they wanted to send him to Cleveland to quote-unquote die and not literally, meaning his career, um, they chose the wrong team and it just shows they don't know what they're doing because Cleveland was already pretty good last year. They were competitive down the stretch and almost took away Baltimore's uh, playoff berth. They were pretty competitive with Cleveland and that was without Odell Beckham Jr. Now you add Odell Beckham Jr. to that team and you get this crazy, insane Super Bowl hype that they've had all summer long. So if the Giants' true intention was to end Odell Beckham Jr.'s career as far as relevancy, they chose the absolute wrong... If they wanted to end his career as far as relevancy, they should have sent him to Miami, Tennessee, uh, maybe even Arizona... Because they're not very good. Well, he'd be he'd be popular in Arizona with Kyler Murray. So maybe take that one off. But they would send him to a truly awful team. So if the Giants, if that was their intention, that just shows they have no idea what they're doing. However, Fyodor Beckham Jr., you should be happy. You really, I mean, I get no one likes to be traded. It's, you know, it's kind of a respect and insulting thing for players to be traded. But if you were going to be traded to any other team, why not go to Cleveland? Yes, they've been horrendous over the past 20 years, have the Cleveland Browns. But now you have Baker Mayfield, you have Jarvis Landry, you add yourself, Odell Beckham Jr., and you have a pretty solid football team. I get that he wants to prove the Giants wrong and make them look even dumber for trading them because they're they're not going to have equal value. You're never going to get equal value for these great players. But I don't think this is, I don't think this is the end of the world for Odell Beckham. I think this is actually a good thing for Odell Beckham Jr. They sent him to a cold, uh, cold weather market. So what he came from New York, they sent him to a smaller market. So what they have Baker Mayfield, who is a star. Odell Beckham Jr. Himself is a star. This is a team that is built for excitement. It's built for relevancy. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch, and we're going to be talking about them from now all the way up until probably January, should they make the playoffs or should they not. They're going to be right there down the wire. So if the Giants really did mean to send him somewhere to end his career, uh, they're even dumber than we thought they were because this is... This was absolutely not the place to send him. He wanted to drown out his career. And they again, as far as getting back value, 
You never get back value for these players. You never get back equal value for these Hall of Fame caliber players. You just don't. That's what's so tough about trading these players away. Anthony Davis to the Lakers. Do you think the Pelicans, while they did get a really good haul for Anthony Davis, are any one of those players going to be even almost close to as good as Anthony Davis? Probably not. I would say definitely not. But you make these moves because it's a business. And for the Giants, that's what they keep telling themselves. Well, it's a business. We did what we had to do. And for Odell Beckham Jr., he can say, well, it was personal. They didn't want me in there. They sent me out here to die. There's two sides to every story. The only story I'm concerned about is, are you going to win? Because Cleveland is still unproven at this point. And they add a superstar wide receiver. And now we just sit back and watch and enjoy the show. So I can't wait. I hope they did send him there to end his career because it only makes it makes it easier now to make fun of the Giants. They will have become the Raiders East if this is true. And of course, we'll never know. We'll never know if this was their intention. It probably was. It probably was their intention. But if it was, they made the absolute wrong decision. That is going to take us to the end of the show this week. It's a pretty rough show. Got uh, kind of stumbled there towards the end. But hey, what can you do? It's only fitting that... A week before our one-year anniversary, when those shows were hellaciously terrible, I have a, I, I stutter, and I stumble, and I forget my placement. So it, it kind of fits. I kind of attribute to my, my one-year anniversary, which is next week. But next week, we're actually going to take these uh, pretty seriously. So I appreciate you guys stopping by and sticking around for the, the length of the show. We got college football. How beautiful is a, a sentence is that? We have college football this weekend, college game day. Live from inside Disney World. Need I say more? Then you get Florida, Miami. Wait one more week, and then you get the big dogs. They're all back next Saturday. So next next Friday, next week will be a Friday edition of the Crowd Noise Podcast because we want that August 30th one-year anniversary date. So it will be a Friday edition of the Crowd Noise Podcast. Um, we will be picking our college football playoff teams our new year's six teams and our national champion so we have it's going to be a fun week can't wait to talk to you guys next week take care